0: On this episode of AV Week, the AV we need to get back to the work, back to the office, and back to performances, security of the AV network, and coding versus configuring, all that and more, next on AV Week.
1: The network
2: for the AV industry. What
1: are you listening to?
2: This. This is AV. This.
1: This. This is AV AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 545, recorded Friday, January 28th, 2022. Coding is dead.
3: Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sennheiser. For over
2: 75 years, Sennheiser has been a leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational
3: campus-wide audio.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audio, visual and news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have got this week. First and foremost, Charmaine Torella. I can't roll my R's, but she can. She's from barracks How are you, ma'am?
3: Hello, sir. I'm from Variks and it's Torreya.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that. Erin uh, Mayer Moran, we'll talk about her in a second, but she's here from Johns Hopkins. Uh, she's not a doctor, but she's smart enough to be one. Uh, how are you, ma'am?
2: Doing good, doing good. Glad to be here, Tim.
0: Thank you, ma'am. And Mr. Jared Hellman uh, from Hellman A.V. from Saskatchewan. Um, Saskatchewan is the birthplace of most of the best hockey players in the world. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. Awesome. Uh, We're recording this on Friday the 28th. Um, If my team is listening to this, technically I took the day off, which is why I'm wearing a blues jersey. Um, If you're watching the video, if you're not watching the video, I'm wearing a tuxedo and you don't know. Um, But uh, uh, we are still in the midst of the Aviation Reader's Choice Awards. Um, By the time you're listening to this on Monday, you still have technically a couple of days to, to finish out here. Uh, or at least one day, one day, one day to finish out, because Monday is the 31st. Uh, and Ms. Mayor Moran uh, is a finalist for the Aviation uh, A V Tweets uh, Award. So she's going up against a formidable opponent uh, in one, Ms. Luck Peters. So just vote your conscience. I'm not going to tell you which way to go. Um, this Her being on today has nothing to do with that. We talked about this a month ago. So there you go. Um, all right first story actually comes to us from an old friend of ours, uh, Mr. Steve Greenblatt writes for our friends over at aV network uh, talking about the quote unquote no coding solutions within the aV industry interesting the fact that Mr. Greenblatt wrote this uh, because Steve works uh, or owns a uh, an independent uh, programming house but Steve goes into um, a, 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 talking about the and the reason that it's in quotes is the, the no coding, uh, according to Steve, can be a misleading term, uh, quote, unquote, providing a false sense of security that anyone can create an application regardless, regardless of their understanding or skill level. No coding does not equate to no knowledge, no understanding, or no effort. The need to conceptualize and define a pr- blueprint for what is being developed is still a requirement, and understanding the logic and thought process of programming is still a prerequisite to maximize the effectiveness of no coding solutions. Charmaine, I'm going to take a left turn on this, and I'll probably get a call from Steve on Monday, which is fine. Um, I, I understand his premise. I understand the 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 right the piece that he wrote here. He's right. You you do need the logic. You do need the the process. However, are we getting to a point where where coding is kind of dead? in the industry, and when I say coding, understand what I'm, I, I was never a coder, right? Control is still my favorite part of the AV industry. I love it to death. I love what Control Concepts and Steve and the guys and gals do there, but I'm talking about sitting down and writing lines of code in the industry. Is it, are, are we past that?
3: We're going, it's shifting that's the best okay. answer to give it to you so it's not like it's going away but it's shifting from that type of coding where you're doing uh, like you said sitting down and writing lines and lines and every time you add something another set of lines and making sure it's correct it's shifting away from that because the industry is shifting away from those types of integrations where you it requires that type of coding but there is a level of coding that's being factored in with the soft solutions that are coming in, but it's not the same coding that AV is used to, right? Mm. It's not the same coding with the Crestron, the AMXs. It's different now, which is asking for a different type of skill set that you have to still understand the previous, but now you have to factor in the other things like JSON and HTML. That has to be now factored That's never been really factored in before, but we really have to get hip to it. So it's not going to go away, but it is shifting into something else. Um, And it still will be around for some complex rooms and systems, but there's going to be more volume in the area that it's shifting towards. I hope that makes sense. I see Aaron's like, yep, yep. Well, yeah, Aaron.
0: Aaron, jump in here because as as a, a tech manager and somebody who manages, you know, several uh, hundreds of rooms uh, on, on a university, this is an area that you guys kind of pay attention to on both sides. Not only do you pay a lot of times either independent programmers or you know through through the integrators, um, but a lot of 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 your fellow Hetma members um, will also um, have on you know on site integrators, in house integrators, but also in house programmers. So are we? Yeah. So are we are, are you are we there yet?
2: Um, I appreciate that a lot of um, these systems are becoming more configurable versus programming or you know full-on programming. But um, as a, a control system programmer myself, it's it's not going anywhere. Um, but Charmaine's right it's it's a shift. They're moving away. Uh, A bit from the dedicated uh, languages that were used previously and now they're moving more towards the same sort of languages that are used on web pages and in other IT applications. So it's going to be I feel like a bit more uh, universal and usable uh, for other applications and um, become more robust in allowing certain um, like database polls and things like that for much more complicated system designs.
0: All right, Mr. Hellman, uh, you have the last word on this as, you know, uh, somebody who, you know, you design and maintain, but also you're the owner of the company. So you, you've got to uh, a different kind of stake in this. Where are we at when it comes to this? And when you start looking for the next—I don't want to say generation—but the next, your, your next programmer or your next, you know, um, A V tech—is this something? You know, it, it, is the fact that they need to know JSON and HTML five more important than maybe you know AMX coding?
1: So I'll, I'll try to I'll try to speak within my my knowledge framework which is hard as an owner and a sales person because usually we talk out of that bubble uh maybe more than we should so i'll try to contain myself here but i think aaron hit the the nail on the head with saying configurable and and configurable programming has been around for a while what what i would have called you know pick and pluck or like block diagram programming before and it's always worked really well pending you use everything within that ecosystem that's available within that configuration, and and by saying what I mean by that is, um, you you know the the configuration software and you know that it only pr- provides modules for this device, that this display device and this amplifier and this speaker set and this DSP and and that's what you stay with it. It was almost like a like a fixed architecture. So as long as you stay within that ecosystem, configurable programming works really well. I I don't think advanced programming as i would see it is going anywhere because there's just not enough um synergy yet across protocol and or not not protocol would be the right word, but a, a, across the industry so when you get into a boardroom um let's take crestron for example or Xtron has a, has a good example as well can you make a video conferencing room with your basic av equipment work with configuration sure but now tie in the HVAC and the lights and the shades to which you have no idea what the brand is or what language it needs to communicate in. And that's where you have to open up to that advanced programming. So I don't think it's going anywhere, but I I do really like how Steve's article says it's misleading because I see users see that and they go, well, if I can program this myself, well then Heather at the front desk, she could program this, couldn't she? Like, couldn't I have her do it or? Ted on our IT team. I mean, he's a network guy. He should be able to do this. And so I, I do agree it is misleading. But I I don't think it's going anywhere.
0: Why 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 do you got to hate on Heather at the front desk? I mean seriously, that was that was just
1: well, and she's the lifesaver too, to be honest. I, I thought time.
0: I thought Canadians were nice. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, <laughs> that was just you, you are right. No, that, that is the, that is the one thing. And, and it's funny is is Jared. You you mentioned before we hit go to the next story here. You mentioned that. A lot of these uh, depend. A lot of the the, the robustness of some of these kind of configurable systems are based on the available modules that are available that that people make. Well, Steve's company does. That's what Steve's company does, right? That that is. I was
1: thinking that too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, All right. uh, Next story. Uh, comes to us from our friends over at commercial integrator TD Cinex, uh has launched a cybersecurity training program. I find this very fascinating. TD Cinex, uh obviously a combination of of, of two pretty good sized distributors. Um, one of the things that distributors have done over the last ten years um, to kind of an added benefit or a, a benefit to their clients, which is you know folks like Charmaine and 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 Jared primarily, uh, is providing you know um, engineering services, design services, programming services um, but also uh, some of these these added edu- education and um, one thing that they're doing is they're they're kind of boning up and, and helping their dealers and their customers increase their cyber skills, according to the, the the article here, quote, unquote, um, this aims to reduce the cybersecurity skills gap through its placement and upskill initiatives that are designed to place candidate uh, place candidates by providing sources and technical skills needed to succeed and grow in cybersecurity. security. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to start with you on this, um, mainly because you are live and breathe in one of the most. Um, Security needed uh, environments, and that is not only does she work for a university, so you've got the the, the, the student side of uh, of secure um, and securing that information. But Johns Hopkins, if you've never heard of it, also happens to be a hospital, so we've got the healthcare side of this. Aaron, when you look at and you have conversations with integrators, and you have conversations with you know your 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 connections there, how important is How important is is their companies and and their technicians and their network folks having either certifications or at least working knowledge of security? How important is that before they come on on campus and start messing with your network? Uh,
2: It's extremely important Uh, for the most part. I mean, we're we're lucky that as a large institute, we have a whole departments that are available and, you know, this is their their specialty and what they focus on and keep, kind of guide us to where we need to be. I, I think smaller um, businesses and schools may not be as fortunate, but it is, you know, it is so important that you know, anybody who is planning on putting anything on our network, they're aware of what the implications could be And we make sure that, um, you know, our AV vendors, that we play kind of the middleman between us and networking to make sure that all the steps that are, you know, need to be followed to even get something connected in and get an IP address and everything. But we, as in higher ed, we recognize that, you know, it's such an important thing that everybody be educated about that uh, for our con- uh conference coming up, this is the topic of one of our sessions. And we thought uh-huh. it was important that, you know, we talk about it as in, you know, as a part of the industry.
0: Real real quickly about, about, well, we'll, 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 I want to promote that in, in a second, but when you guys start looking at that session, like who, who do you have talking and, 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 you know, are, is there a checklist? Is there a, Hey, You've got these certs, or hey, you've got these people. Like, like, what is it that you're? How are you fleshing out the the dealers and the integrators and the partners there? You know, before you start giving them, you know, designs or or, or you know, requests for proposals or anything like that.
2: Yeah, it's it's basically, um, you know, we look to see what where you know where they're at certification wise, and there are some checklists that you know we want to make sure we we see or even the, um, if things are not a piece of equipment that we have vetted previously, we need to make sure that we know all the specifications of it to make sure that we're not putting something that could be vulnerable on our Mm -hmm. system.
0: Jared, I kind of asked you, you know, the, the, the programming question when you, when you hire your next programmer, the same thing here, right? When, when you start looking at, uh, the security of not only your your businesses network, but also the, the systems you're putting in place. You, what what is it that you guys can do as as an integrator to make sure that your folks have the latest greatest knowledge base, but also you know uh, are kept up to date on the latest vulnerabilities?
1: I think I think a working knowledge is is probably the the, the base requirement for any AV integrator now, and I I, I don't know that becoming a cybersecurity expert. As an AV integrator, is really required or needed, or a smart move because I think if you've made that, if, if 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 you've made that move to becoming a cybersecurity expert, you're more likely starting on the IT side, and perhaps incorporating AV into your uh, IT company rather than being an AV integrator, incorporating IT into hmm. your um, into your firm. But I think a working knowledge, like like Aaron said, so that you know the AV pro can sit at a table with the IT department or the IT expert and have an understanding of what, what's being discussed. And like, like she mentioned, you know, if, if you're putting devices on, on the network, you can identify where there may be some risk and, and kind of communicate that. But so I, I was just, I had read the article again, just while you guys were talking, cause I wanted to see, and I like that they're saying, it's just to reduce the cybersecurity skills gap. So I, I don't think they are saying you're going to leave as a, Certified cybersecurity expert, but it's to fill that gap, and I think that's I think that's great.
0: Well, and, and let's be clear, there there are several levels. I was I was having yes. uh, coffee this morning with a buddy of mine, um, who there's a a, a, a gentleman that he's a part of a kind of a mind mind meld group or a, I don't know if it was mind anyhow. He has coffee with a bunch of business people uh, once a week, and there's a gentleman there who uh, he works for a financial institution here in St. Louis. And he is getting ready to get the highest level cybersecurity. Now, what we're talking about here is this is like the Cisco version of the CCNP on steroids, right? So that, that that's what this. So we're not we're not saying TD Senex is is offering that. I'm not saying that that's what folks need, right? So if you're if you're like the highest level, yeah, you can you know you can play Tetris on the government computer and nobody will will scream at you. But um, but at least having that knowledge. Charmaine, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Just first of all, you can handle it. But we've been talking about this, and the fact that that you know AB is IT, and IT is AV, you know AV is IT, and we've had that conversation on AB and the AM on this show and other places. You know, God love Frank Patacalla. he he's he's carried that banner well. Is is it time to at least start looking at? A CTS version of this, right? I'm not saying secure, security, cybersecurity, cyber security, but at least networking, where we say, you know what, there are skill gaps. There are things that the industry is not necessarily preparing technicians for, or we're expecting them to kind of go outside um, CCNA, right, or you know, Bixie or other types of certification. Is it time that that we kind of bring some of these networking skills and start home, you know, baking them into our existing uh, class? classes and, and training schedules.
3: Uh yes. Yes, God, yes. Thank you. Amen. Um yes, it is time to start doing that. But what it's also time to start doing, so yes, do we need to know more about this side of the tech business of cybersecurity and network? Absolutely. The products of solutions, we went to, you know, talked about no coding solutions. Again, the shift. Remember um, the last, the end of year podcast we did, and we said, what's coming? And I said, what's ha- what does all these changes in AV mean? It means, and I said, that this industry is transforming. There's a metamorphosis that needs to happen, right? And this is part of that metamorphosis that needs to happen so we can evolve and get past this plateau that we've been in for some time. So yes, it's needed. that type of training one the second thing that's needed is we have to start recruiting people into the av industry that already have the skill set as i Mm -hmm. tell people many times before it's easier to train it, you know it into av instead of backwards training it the other way is hard it's difficult it's a totally different uh it's easier um for to learn up to a to learn the av component to learn the it component the network component that's a little more difficult to take an av person say okay here (laughs) it's it's not that easy so we have to start this metamorphosis and really you know dive into it and yes have more of those trainings that talk to that network and cybersecurity and understanding but also have the resources recruit them in our industry that can help augment and complement what we're doing to help make that shift and that you know transformation much easier for a lot of these companies because it is not easy it is hard Mm -hmm. i've seen companies say that yeah we're doing it and it it is it's hurt them in a lot of ways so yes is the overall answer
0: you you y'all should listen to her because that is where she came she she started in in it and 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 telecom, right? And and Charmaine has successfully made that transition, so she knows what she's talking about uh, coming this way. So, uh, and I am I've i failed the CCNA at least twice. I think I stopped taking it about five years ago. So, um, anyhow, it's a whole other story. I also I also failed the CTSD, but that's a that's a different conversation. Um, I tried taking it during infocom one year, and it was a late night, and my test was like at eight o'clock in the morning, and I have yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, last story here comes to us. Uh, Joe Way was not involved in that one, but someone else uh, was who will remain who will name, um, nameless because I don't want to drag uh, him into it. Sennheiser, actually, this one comes to us from our, our website, AviNation.tv. Sennheiser's digital 6000 wireless microphone system helps Cirque du Soleil come back to work after an unfortunate hiatus. I'll give you two guesses what the hiatus was from, uh, and it wasn't because they were on vacation. Uh, it was covid obviously uh so as folks get back into performances as folks get back into work as folks get back into the office um what are we looking at here how are we able to to take what was left behind and and augment it and what are we putting in and what are customers asking for uh jared we'll start with you on this you know when you look at getting back to work you know what are what are some of the challenges uh of of getting those designs done and, and getting them installed in a timely manner to, to make sure that that your customers are ready to go back to the office
1: so i was on a i was on a webinar um a couple days ago and it was all about um it was about it collaboration and, and conferencing and one of the topics they brought up was really interesting to me was that <clears throat> as everyone returns to come back to the or prepares to come back to the office um and they have these plans that everyone is going to be working on zoom or teams and, and, and whatnot. And they're going to have all these rooms now powering zoom or teams and video conferencing and everyone at their desk is going to be able to conference. And what they're probably going to be in for a surprise is actually the, the bandwidth of the current network that they have and how well it can actually support bringing back, you know, 80% of their office. Cause the, the video portion isn't going away. People aren't going to come back to the office and, and, you know, um, companies, take a hit in their video conferencing platforms it's just it's not going to happen so the one thing i would say companies should be prepared for is to really think about when they start opening their office back up how are they how are they preparing everyone to come back and, and manage all of that increased demand on on their network because it's, it's gonna you know we're, we're back in the office and we conference between offices you know just because you're working on something you want to screen share you just give them a quick call and so that's that's demand, right? The the second part is um, if you don't know what you're doing when you get back to the office or when you open it up, you need to figure it out really fast and then you need to order all that stuff because all that equipment that you want that's going to make your return to the office easier and more successful is probably four to six months away in some instances. And so I'll, I'll leave it to you guys which direction you want to go on, uh, on the topic, but... Those are two big things, I would say. Get your product on order and figure out your bandwidth. All
0: right, Charmaine, same kind of question, is, is as you're talking to clients getting back to the office, and, and I, I as, as I'm asking this, I'll kind of clarify a couple of things. Erin you know, uh, works for Johns Hopkins, so uh, she's going to comment on you know not only what they're doing for for back-to-cop classes, but also out, yeah, in their offices. Here in St. Louis, St. Louis is an interesting market. Um, if you're not familiar we have the mississippi going down the middle of us and so on one side of the river is illinois completely separate uh political structure completely separate state on the on the st louis side you've got missouri drastically different when it comes to the political side but also um you know you've also got different uh, municipalities and different things like that um cti the company that that I, i my day job we are we are I'm going to say 90% remote. Basically, anybody that doesn't have to be in the office, we're asking them not to be. Uh, meaning that the techs and our rack builders—they're physically in, in the warehouse—but anybody else, you're 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 encouraged to work from home. Uh, but some of our clients um, are 100%. You know, like they're 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 getting back to the work. You know, the, the office three days a week, four days a week. Um, some of them are even 100% back. Uh, so Charmaine, as as you're looking at this and talking to your clients. What are some of those challenges of, of getting, you know, as Jared said, getting gear four, six, eight, twelve 12 weeks, sometimes longer than that? And how do you communicate that?
3: What a question. Another curveball for me. So <laughs> the the first thing is, um, and I'm in New York City, right? So different beast entirely. Um yeah. So with New York City clients and Northeast, because I don't just do New York City, most of the Northeast are clientele and some of California for me. So getting back into the office, the hard part is your equipment's been sitting in sleep mode practically, right? For about a year and a half, where in that time, manufacturers and some updates and firmware has already floated out. Um, those devices probably don't have the latest or the version that's needed and you have to double check that. So that's problem number one that, you know, I'm talking to my clients about in setting their expectations just because you didn't use the system doesn't mean you can just come back in, turn it on and it's ready to go. It doesn't work that way. You have to think about, okay, does this have the right firmware upgrade? And if not, we need to get this on. We need to do a preventative uh, maintenance visit or system diagnostic check because there's there's something in, ha- in a year and a half. We might have to add some things to this device and update firmware. That's number one set expectation it is not you can't just turn something it's anything any device in your home you just can't turn it off especially if you have a smart device and think oh yeah i'll turn it back on in two years and it'll work as it did before that never happens so same thing with your av system so you have to prepare for that clients are doing a good job here in the northeast are preparing for that they've been listening to me all last year probably got tired of listening to me but that was the key keep talking and they have done it so now they're in a better place um, the other thing is yes they want to exercise some flexibility which makes that sennheiser solution really interesting because that's exactly what it's doing so they want uh more devices that are a little more plug and play and now they're in a state of reevaluation so a lot of the clients are in that reevaluating state, and I'm pushing them there because okay, we know there might be a slight reopening. We don't know to what percent. Some clients say 20, 30, 40, 50 in the first quarter, maybe less, and then depending on what other variant uh, comes out of the you know woodworks, it might. I no know, I know. No
0: more it, variants.
3: No more variants. Um, but and just you know, just in case. Our um, clients are definitely protective of, you know, they have to protect, you know, their opportunity to earn and get back to business um, and really try to push towards that way. So, reevaluating what's in their space, a lot of clients are doing that right now. And with that reevaluation, they're looking at the kind of equipment like the solution that Sanheiser came up with to get Cirque du Soleil back into operation because you know again you're shipping equipment here and then you you have to re you know set it up all over again and the way logistics is not just getting equipment but the way logistics is logistics is a problem still right it's going to take a lot more time so um that's you know basically where the clients are that's what we have to keep doing with the clients it's we're in a state of reevaluating you know Having that hybrid solution in play just in case, and I'm pretty sure. And I'm tossing the ball again to Aaron for higher ed and healthcare, especially because I have a few of those clients. I mean, I can't even speak on that. So I guess that's something Aaron absolutely can go in deep and talk about.
2: Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and I, you know, and I was going to say that. When uh, uh, when I took a look at the Sennheiser article, the part that really uh, jumped out at me was basically the last part when it was about uh, support, support uh, because that is the part that we really You know, have to deal with the most. We made adjustments to classrooms to allow for all the different scenarios that they kept coming up with. Um, And that's all fine and good, but it's the supporting of it all that uh, was really what we needed to work on the most. But you were absolutely, when you talked, Charmaine, when you talked about um, updating equipment and being, you know, being firmware revisions behind, uh, that was something that we really had to take some time to, you know, get back up to speed with, because you know the classroom sat there unused for, um, you know, not as long as um, some schools, but it was long enough that you know when we came back in. So many things just weren't quite right and needed kind of a little bit of a a re, reboot, refresh, update that firmware, and you know got everything up and running. But it really, we would have been nowhere uh, these last two semesters if it wasn't for the um, support staff uh, between our students, all right, and our um, our you know the regular staff members to keep all of this stuff running and keep the instructors moving along and teaching their classes.
1: Are we not going to talk about ice ice baby? Being I know ring exactly what
3: that was. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I always have my phone muted. I don't know why it was not.
0: <laughs> that, that is, that is, that may be my favorite thing that has happened in 10 years. Um, <laughs> Um, my, mine is the is the is the Harry Potter theme so I'll I'll go ahead and punk myself out there too um, uh so really quickly as as we wrap up here I'm just going to ask this general question either to Charmaine and Jared or to Aaron there have been manufacturers who have punted and pushed their delivery dates because it's one thing and it's another, it's another. And and, and for the vast majority of them, God love them, they are doing what I, in my opinion, this is my opinion, this is not anybody else's opinion, this is Tim Albright's. They're at least doing what I would say is, is the right thing by their dealers and their, their clients by saying, if you get your order in first, you're going to get your product first, right? They're, they're being very careful about getting sold out of stuff, right? Because we all know the big two, three, four, five. Companies could probably come in and write a check and buy all of the, I don't know, Samsung displays in the world, right? Um, but they're not, they're not being allowed to do that. However, sometimes those delivery dates are getting pushed farther than what maybe they thought they were originally. Either for the two integrators on this or you, Aaron, um, how are we getting that information? How are we communicating that? And is it staying consistent, I guess, is the best way to put that.
3: I mean, Aaron, I mean, I could let me take a stab at this and you can answer on the client side. I think this applies to every last one of us on this call. Um, what was the last point? How are we setting
0: those expectations? How, how, do we, how are we taking the information we're getting from the manufacturers, even as it's changing? Because it is changing. It is. How yeah. do we communicate that to the client successfully without it sounding like we're making crap up? <laughs> because I would be franking <laughs> here. I mean, seriously. On if you're the client, right? Again, I, yeah. I hundred years ago, I was a tech manager, right? Mm. And Charmaine, if you're my if you're my salesperson, and you tell me, okay, Tim, you're going to be able to install this at the end of January, I'm like, okay, I'm going to block off rooms, I'm going to do the thing. And if you tell me a week before, just kidding, it's the end of February now, or it's the end of March now, that's gonna that's gonna I'll I'll be with you once or twice maybe, but the third time. I mm.
3: Yeah. Well, that happened to me this week. So definitely, okay, well, that happened. And, um, basically a client is like, well, you know, you're so bad. Like Michael Jackson, like, you know, why can't you mitigate this? Literally. It's like, they gave me that you're bad. Like Michael Jackson type of but thing. You are.
0: But, but I, I get, yeah, yes, you are. I'm
3: <laughs> not as bad as Michael Jackson, believe me. But, um, uh, the way, you know, you have to, it's a collaboration between, of course, your project delivery team and, of course, the account management team, right? You have to keep a watch on the shift. Unfortunately, what's happening right now is some manufacturers, more than others, are not giving us realistic expectations and dates. And because some manufacturers, and I absolutely will not name a name, um, is basically very nonchalant and cavalier in thinking that they're the only game and solution there is, but that's not the case. This is like, we've been going, we've been in this mode and cycle of shift, 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 shift. And the customer is yelling and barking at me saying, aren't you Michael Jackson? Aren't you bad? Be bad. And I'm like, okay. So then I have to tell the manufacturer, hey, listen, I'm going to be bad for my client because, and now I'm going to redesign and re-engineer it with someone else. And that's yeah. what's going to start happening now. And that's the offer that I have to give to the clients. You know, once I lay down, okay, this happened again, and it's shifting and shifting, let me, I, here's the manufacturers that aren't doing this as much, or it's reasonable. Can we shift to this now? You know, hmm. here's another solution. Let's look at this and give it a try. Cause that's kind of where I had to go. It's just, you have no option now. And so. What that means to those cavalier nonchalant manufacturers that think they're the best gaming town is they're losing market share and they're gonna continue losing market
1: share and, Can I just uh, yeah I, I just want to add to that because um three three four months ago, it maybe even two months ago it it, it didn't really matter what manufacturer you went with because we we would get this from clients and they would say, well, can't we find a substitute can't we find an alternate? and we would say you know, at, in the beginning, November, I would say ish, we, we tried, you know, we would try to source a different amplifier, different DSP, different whatever we could find, and, and no one had anything. But what what we're finding is that towards the end of December and opening into January, exactly what Charmaine said, now the successful manufacturers are, are going to be the ones that can deliver, specifically when they say they can deliver, and more so, the sooner they can deliver. And and now you're starting to see that spread in who has what because even for ourselves, um, again, not naming, we had a we, we have a major client that we we've consistently done the same control system for. And when when that control system hardware was not available, we actually learned another control system platform because we could get that sooner. Hmm. And and so we you know, like like Charmaine said, and and I don't think they're oblivious to this. I, but what Charmaine said is, market share will be uh, redistributed based on who can deliver when they say they're going to, and who can deliver soonest. And that that'll be that'll be re- really interesting too.
0: Oh, well. Aaron, I'm going to give you the last word on this as as the, the the client that's that is writing the check. How 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 important is this? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, we're. I mean, in we're in an interesting position because we see ourselves as um, an end user but also we're an in-house integrator Mm -hmm. so not being able to get um, the products in is difficult Uh, and we've had to change our whole game plan for summer because We don't, we have only specific times where we can do installations. We can't just be like, oh, it's going to come in in the middle of March. Okay, so we'll just, you know, block off some time then. We've got classes then. So we have distinct times we have to use. So to get around the fact that we don't know if equipment is going to land for the summer window, we're taking, um, so we're we're shifting some of our um, our refresh cycle rooms. We're gonna put them off a semester or potentially two. Okay. Uh, we have some rooms that need stuff so bad that we uh, are taking some equipment from other rooms that had been refreshed and just reusing it temporarily yeah. um, because we can't we can't depend on. This stuff to land.
0: Good night. All right. Uh, I, I do hope, and I will be sending this uh, episode around to some manufacturer friends of mine because there's some things that you can't do. I get it. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But honesty, um, you know, uh, transparency is incredibly important. And yes, there is going to be some unfortunate distribution redistribution of market share that are outside of your control. It's how we rebound and how we come out of this, I think is going to be the big
3: And the Tim, big I'm start. sending you a Forbes article that says no more excuses because of COVID. And I'm sharing that with you. So you could share that with them too, because okay. that's what customers are saying. And the other,
1: you have it. the other thing that's, that I think is going to be really interesting too, that we're seeing is payment terms and mm-hmm. how that's shifting. Because if I submit a, and, and this is what we we've had to start looking at our payment terms as well with clients, because if I've submitted an order in October, And typical timeline before that was, you know, four to eight weeks, floating a PO um, for that entire time until a project was complete, you know, say within three months, three to four months, that wasn't really a problem on cash flow. But when when you're submitting a, a PO order from a client in October and half of it shows up by the end of December and the other half's not coming till the end of April, but you're being billed for the first half and you haven't billed the client anything. So it's it's it, I'd be interested to see what other integration firms and other manuf- and manufacturers are doing to adjust with those payment terms because it is going to start putting a strain on you know we're a smaller integration firm and we you know we can manage ourselves but we still have to I mean like every business you have to watch that cash flow and so when you have stuff trickling in and and the bills trickling in meanwhile the client is sitting back on a PO, um, it I think that's another interesting conversation is payment terms and how how is that
0: it is a very interesting conversation, not one yeah. for here, but it's no. a fascinating one because you just brought, here's the thing, it, it, the next round of, of acquisitions and closures will be will 100% lay the, lay the feet at, at, at the feet of that right there.
1: That right? could be interesting. It, it is
0: this this length of, of jobs not getting done yep. and businesses who are not necessarily, let's say financially, um, on their right foot, then they're going to get kind of uh, in a bad spot.
1: Yeah, they'll get buried. They'll put themselves in a bubble, and they won't be able to wait until that payday comes. Yeah.
0: All right, y'all. That will do it for us. On that happy note, uh, Charmaine (laughs) Torella from Varex. Thank you, ma'am.
1: Thank you, sir.
0: How do people connect with you in Varex?
3: You can connect with me on Twitter and on LinkedIn as my first and last name, Charmaine Tolvea. You could say Torella for American purposes. And it's, you know... If you want to reach out to me, it's ctorella at varics.com. You can call me Charmaine. I'm bad, Torella, you know, because that's what I'm
0: bad right now. As she is. She is bad. Uh, Aaron, uh, very nice to have you uh, on a regular version of AV Week. Uh, I, I, uh, I indoctrinated Aaron into AV Week um, at uh, Infocom. Uh, and I put her between uh, two of my dearest friends, Dave uh, Labusca and Mike Blackman, uh, and she did fantastic uh, with with the two of those yahoos.
2: Go girl! Uh, so,
0: yeah, she was, she was awesome. Uh, they're they're a couple of knuckleheads, but she was awesome. <laughs> but my my Dave Dave is the CEO of Avixa. Mike is the the managing director of ISE. So, um, how do people connect with you? Uh, and if if somebody is a, a tech manager and they want to connect with and get involved with HATMA uh, and the conference you've got coming up? How do they do that?
2: Yeah, so um, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn at Erin Marmoran, and you can find me on Twitter at Smiren_off_ice. And um, you can find more information about Hetma and our upcoming conference on our website, HATMA.org, uh, H-E-T-M-A.org.
0: All right. Thank you, ma'am. Mr. Hillman, thank you, sir. Thank you. How do people connect with you or Hillman AV?
1: Uh, so you can you can visit Hillman AV website at hillmanav.com, which is H-I-L-L-M-A-N-A-V.com. Or the best place to find me online these days is LinkedIn, which is just my first and last name.
0: And uh, and and Jared doesn't want me to promote his, his fantastic podcast that he has with Mark Coxon, so I'm not going to mention it. But if you go to your favorite place <laughs> to find... Podcast, and you type in either Mark Coxon or Jared Hillman, uh, yes. you will find a fantastic podcast. And, uh, and we
1: so. are working on a return. We just have some planning to do.
0: They're on hiatus. They're they're, yes. they're taking a sabbatical. So the go.
1: band the band broke up for a bit, but we're getting back together.
0: Well, good, good. I, I that, that is awesome. <laughs> um, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, but go by the website if you would please, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You will find programs like this and a host of others. Uh, there's another podcast actually I did with, with, with Aaron about a year ago. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, you can check out our residential uh, version of this called Resi Week. Matt Scott uh, hosts that. He's the only other Canadian uh, that is allowed on the, well, not really. I mean, Brook a lot a week ago. I had Brock. Um, so, um, so check that out. And by the time you hear this, I believe we're doing this on Tuesday. And Mitchell can tell me I'm wrong, but I believe it's Tuesday. Uh, Matt and I are be doing a live broadcast and revealing the Aviation the AV uh, Awards. Uh, so uh, I'm sure we'll put a link to that somewhere. Or somebody that does my social now will say that somewhere. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Matt and I will be unveiling that. Uh, I believe we're doing that live. So uh, check all that out and uh, check out the folks who help us and make this possible, our fantastic sponsors. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.